0: Father, we just thank you for you are such a good, good Father. We thank you indeed for the price that was paid for us to set us free and to come into the life that you gave to us. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you are, and not just for what you've done, but for all of who you are. You are indeed a good, good father. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let me sit down. That was a beautiful time of just quietly in his presence and worshipping and, and things like that. And this morning, uh, Greg has asked me to bring my testimony over what's happened in the last uh, two and a bit years. And um, and what, what I want to do is, this is not a testimony about myself, but it's about what God has done in me. It's what God has done, and it's truly, I just want to give him thanks and praise. And I stand here because, really, because of what he has done. Nothing what I have done, but because of what he has done. And I want to, you know, he was closer than a brother to me in so many ways, and in that intimacy that I had and have uh, with him. And I want to thank him and, and declare his glory uh, this morning more than anything else. Um, i also like, like to thank also Sandra, my wife, because she went through this whole story with me, this whole chapter in our lives, and, and the way she stood very closely with me. And um, we walked through it together, and uh, we certainly grew very close together through it. And uh, I want to thank, thank her publicly for what she did. But also um, my boys and my f- my family, you know, um, uh, Josh and Hannah and Dave and Olivia and Peter and Erin and all those people that have done so much in my closer family and supporting me through that time. It was just really so amazing. And particularly David, my son, who was a, a paramedic and uh, he was able to come in daily and uh, do my um, almost, almost blood pressure tests and, and all the different things and he they do and he was just magnificent and then also uh, often went into the ambulance with me to hospital and uh, he was just really very very supportive in that way Um, and also once i had the fourth operation um, he had to give me injections every day and uh, sandra saw that uh, uh, he was doing it and thought oh i've got to learn how to do this i've got to learn how to do this so she attempted to have a go. <laughs> I ended up the first day with a very sore <laughs> sore arm, but she did get better, she did get better. So if, if Sandra offers to help you with um, <laughs> a needle, all I can say is, RUN! <laughs> no, it's, it wasn't quite as bad as all that. <laughs> But, yeah. <laughs> but i also like to thank the, Greg and the elders were just fantastic, and the, and the families too, and, and the way that they gathered around me and supported on a regular basis. And uh, I mean, there's just so many people. My discipleship group, and uh, they were absolutely incredible. I mean, there's too many people to name in that group, but they were just really fantastic and supporting us. In every way possible. It was just amazing. And I'll go over that a little bit later on. And also the whole body, this church, this family, and the way that you gathered around me in prayer support and and praying and fasting. And there was just so many wonderful things happening. And and I really felt the love from this family. I really did. And from our neighbours next door, I don't know whether they're here this morning or not, but they were just absolutely fantastic. And... um, just supporting me and just coming over and visiting and doing the lawns on a regular basis and, and all sorts of things. They were just amazing. But also my own family, uh, wider family, you know, Sandra's mum and dad and, and my own mum who was praying a lot and uh, my own, you know, brothers and sisters and Sandra's um, brother and sister and just their support was absolutely outstanding. And people from all over New Zealand whom I'd never met were. Sending um, messages and and contacting us and sending us all sorts of things—it was just incredible. But just for the love of God, I just saw the whole love of God operating through His body, and I just want to indeed thank you all. So Psalm 46 was really to become really one of my life verses. You know how you often read these verses and you think, oh, yes, you know, and just read it through. But when you start to go through things, actually it becomes alive in you. It says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. Selah means pause. Think about it. Meditate on it. Not just rush through the next verse, but think about just what I've just read. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place, the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her just at the break of dawn. The break of dawn is always a new day. There's always a new day. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Pause. Come and behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth, and He breaks the bow, and He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Did you realize that God is shaking us? He's been shaking this church for the last seven and a half years. Why is he shaking us? Why is he doing all these things that make everything so uncomfortable? He's shaking us because he wants our hearts back. He wants to rebuild the church the way he designed it to be, not the way that man has designed it. He's doing it to get our attention, to wake us up, to see that there's so much more of him than just giving your lives to Christ and that's it. There's a whole life to come into and to enjoy and to walk in. And to dislodge old and dis, um, old mentalities or f- uh, foundations, anything that's not of him, he is shaking in our lives. Because I'll tell you, the, the days of darkness and shaking are going to come and they're going to increase. But he's raising up a people that are so strong on the inside, not of themselves, but of him, so that when the storms of life come, we are able to stand. And there are going to be those days more and more. And it's what he does in us. It's nothing that we can do. It's him. And it's a beautiful thing when you see Christians being able to stand in the most difficult of times, worshipping and praising and thanking God, regardless of their physical situation. He's also rebuilding us with a plumb line in his hands. talks about Amos with the Lord with a plumb line. Anything that's out of alignment, he's getting rid of. That doesn't feel very good. Because a lot of us have built, including myself, have built a lot of structures and crutches and things to lean upon. But God's been removing them so that we can only stand on him. Because in those days, he's preparing us for... There will be nothing else to lean on apart from him. He's doing it now so that we'll be ready. Constructing a people who can stand and trust him for everything. I mean, this is not a bad thing. This is a great thing. Because often we think about, oh no, this is going to get worse. No, in actual fact, even if the darkness gets darker, the light is going to get brighter the joy is going to increase because there's such life in him. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. Right. I remember when um, Donald Trump got into power and the fear that was around everywhere. Everywhere you went.
1: <gasps>
0: now it's going to, you know, what's going to happen? Things are going to come and go. Things are going to happen. But what's happening in here? There's a peace in the storm right. no matter what happens. And trust it becomes almost like a dirty word in the eyes of the world. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. How many times have we, been, have we heard that and we've been let down? How many times when people have broken that trust that we've become hurt? That we've built up this wall of resistance against anyone that wants us to trust them. We put this arm out saying oh, we'll do it at arm's length. But you see, God's trust and man's trust are totally different. And I was to come to discover more and more how trustworthy God was. When I had nothing left, He came through over and over and over again. He is trustworthy. And I can speak and stand here today and testify and give Him glory because He is trustworthy. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mm -hmm. Not with just a little bit, but with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. You know, often we, we say, yes, Lord, we will trust in you. But I'm still trying to work it out. I'm still trying to figure it through. I'm still trying to put all the dots together and and I'm still trying to do that. And I feel that there's someone here this morning that needs to hear that this morning. Yes, we'll, we'll acknowledge you, but Lord, is it possible for me to at least have one hand on the steering wheel so I can keep it in control? Because when it's in control, I feel a lot more secure. We want, I mean, our human nature says, I need to be in control. I need to be able to steer through this rocky time. So if you don't mind, Lord, and moving over, I'll just take hold of it. But we like that. But I feel God saying this morning, for that person this morning, is I want you to gently move over to the passenger seat and allow me to take over and steer for you. It's when we totally let go that God comes through. It's when we try to leave one hand on the steering wheel, it's limited what he can do. But when we come into that place of trusting him that we can totally let go, suddenly you see him move in you and through you like you've never seen before. And I came to experience that. See, just over two years ago, I actually became very frustrated. You see, Sandra had an an amazing experience with God. Uh, I forget how many, number of years ago now, seven or eight, um, I don't know. But she she became, through uh, something that happened in our family, she actually became very broken. She got to the end of herself. And God totally, radically changed her from the inside out. And it was amazing to see But the more I saw the genuine work of God in her heart, the more I realized how hollow my walk with God was. And so I desired that, but I couldn't do it. The more I tried to do what she was doing, I couldn't do it. In fact, she was doing nothing. It was God doing it in her. And I tried, and then of course you can see a number of people in this place Absolutely radically changing. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And I could understand and comprehend what Greg was saying and and everything like that. And I was saying yes and amen to that. Because I could see it in my heart. And yet I couldn't feel the work of God happening on the inside. A lot of what I had was head knowledge. But what we want is what God is wanting to do on the inside. Living and dwelling and abiding and changing us, so that we live out of who He is in us. And that has to be revealed in us. It's amazing when it becomes a living testimony and a real-life transaction. But at that stage, I'd realized and I'm not ashamed to admit that because when you've seen the authentic, you don't want what you had. But I pray today that you will be thirsty and hungry for more of him. him. And I wanted that more than anything else. I wanted to walk in that, but I was frustrated. I was getting angry with myself. I was agitated. It was not yet a living reality, but I wanted it to be. So in January of 2015, we went on holiday up to New Plymouth, and we were having a good time. And then suddenly I felt I needed to go to the toilet. And, uh, I mean, we all feel we have to go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> it's part of nature, I guess. But after I'd been to the toilet, I felt I had to go again, and then again, and then again, and again. And it was just, what's going on here? And so it was becoming really, really uh, uncomfortable more than anything else. When we got back to Wellington, uh, I went to the emergency doctor and... Um, and they and she examined me, and she said, "I think it's a um, it's a bladder infection." So she gave me uh, antibiotics for that. And but after about a month and a half, nothing really happened. And what had started to develop was this pain, I used to get, and it, it started to grow. It would start off, and I could feel it coming, and then over an hour to an hour and uh, to two hours, it would grow in intensity, and then finally come down again. But my doctor saw me next, and he thought it was possibly the prostate gland. So he um, also gave me a whole lot of antibiotics. But after about a month and a half after that, things still hadn't improved. In fact, the pain was getting slightly worse. So um, uh, my doctor referred me to a urologist, a specialist, and I went to him and he said, oh, look, it's okay. All it is is the, uh, the muscle spasming, and that's where the pain is. It'll it'll go away eventually. So nothing to, to worry about. And eventually it did. After about five months or more, finally the pain in that started to subside. And I mean, the frequency was off and on, but uh, it had at least improved. But I got to the end of it, and I was thinking, that was an interesting experience. But I still felt hollow. You see, what I'd done more than anything was I always did what I always just knew to do. And that I was under attack and I had to fight it. And that's how I always did it. It was an attack from the enemy. So I was a very strong person on governmental prayer, praying governmentally over yourself and declaring God's word. But somehow, it just felt hollow this time. I don't know why, but it did. And uh, the funny thing is, I'd put God in a box without realizing it. See, this was the situation, and this is the answer. And sometimes we can do that, and I know I had. We, we see everything in one, one thing. In one situation, this is the answer. It's like a formula where we just click our fingers. But Jesus never walked that way. He always did what his father told him to do. He only did what his father showed him to do. And each time, it was different. It wasn't a set formula. And even today, as I share my, uh, this testimony, it's not a set formula. I don't want you to say, you know, this is what Chris said, and this is how it should be done. No. It's going to be different for all of us. What is God saying? And that's what I failed to do, really. I failed to ask him, What are you saying? What are you doing? Now don't get me wrong, I believe in God praying for healing. Absolutely, yes. And I want to see more of that. I also believe in governmental prayer. I believe in declaring what God said over me. But it was simply, what is God saying for that situation? It was like his disciples were walking by with Jesus and they saw the man born blind from birth. And they said, who sinned, him or his parents? You see, that was a little box. That was the standard answer of those days. And yet, what did Jesus say? He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And yet we can write it off. And yet God didn't want that at all. He was showing me something different. You see, I'd been a Christian for a long, long time, for over 30-odd years. Without realizing it, I had God figured all out. And we can fall into that trap so easily. And that's what I had done. But God was shaking my whole belief system to come into trusting him at a new level entirely. Do you remember the blind man who, um, somebody brought uh, Jesus, this blind man, and so Jesus took him outside the city, out of his comfort zone, into a place that he wasn't familiar with. And then Jesus did something that would possibly shock all of us. He spat in the man's eyes. How offensive is that? Have you ever thought about it? What happens if somebody came up to you and spat in your eyes? You came up for prayer and somebody spat in your eyes. You see, offenses come often just before the breakthrough. And God allows the offense to come to shake us. To whip the carpet out from underneath our feet so everything feels uncertain because he wants us to trust in him. But that man, even though he allowed Jesus to spit on him, he stood and he took it. It was very humbling. And when we humble ourselves before God, God can begin to take the veil and the blindness from our eyes. At first it was a process. He couldn't see, he saw men walking around like trees. And that's what often God does. It's a process. Sometimes it's not straight away, sometimes it is. But this man, it took a while and God prayed, Jesus prayed for him again and then he could see clearly. And it's the same thing for us. God wants to remove the veil from our eyes that we can see like we've never seen before. For God to change me so that the external was to become an internal shift, he would have to break me. And often it's through brokenness that God does the work. It's when we get to the end of ourselves, when we don't have any strength left, when we don't, can't configure our own ways or anything like this, we've got nothing left in the tank, that's when he moves. It's the most beautiful thing. Not at the time, (laughs) though. Storms will come. You know the the story about the two houses. One was built on sand and one was built on the rock. Did you realize that they're both made, rock and sand are made from the same substance? Rock is formed over thousands of years through pressure and through fire and through heat. But sand is caused from the erosion of the rock. And sometimes our faith can be eroded by the trials and the storms that come. Or by what man says. Or by this or by that circumstance. And sometimes we can end up chasing after a little grain of sand rather than standing on the rock. And we can build our whole lives around different grains of sand. So when the storms actually actually come, suddenly, whoosh, where's God? Where is he? Sometimes it's because we've known him just purely. as something that's out there rather than him being in here, strengthening and building us. And that's the most amazing thing. God's trying to build us like a submarine. The pressure in the submarine is greater on the inside than that on the outside so that you can go deep in the water. And God is wanting to build that within us so that when the storms come, we are able to stand on him because he's in us. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Well, over time, I was referred to, um, as I said, that uh, urologist and it eventually um, cleared up, which was great. But in October of 2015, the pain, and I mean, hit, and it hit really hard. Suddenly, the frequency returned to what it was before, and this time, though, there was blood in the urine. There was lots of blood, and um, the pain intensity was a lot worse than it was at the beginning of the year. So I went back to my doctor, and he um, rang. Uh, Sorry, I'll come back to that part in a minute. But um, I remember lying on bed on, on the bed, and I was in agony. I was writhing on the bed, and I remember crying out to God, and I said, "God, take this pain away." Literally, this time I had nothing in me to fight it. I I couldn't pray governmentally. I couldn't do anything. I was totally at the end of myself. I needed Him. And it was amazing. In that pain, in that writhing, as soon as I prayed it, I heard his voice so clearly. He said to me, be still, do not fear. Can you trust me? And there was a pause. Can you trust me? Will you allow me to take hold of your hand and lead you through the process? It was clear as anything. You know, the pain didn't go. But I was filled with such peace and love. And it was the most incredible experience. I was just being filled. It was just so real. It was so tangible. But it was a defining moment. I had to respond. He said, do you trust me? And I remember saying, yes, Lord, I surrender to you and your process. Please help me. It was an amazing, it was an amazing experience, one that I will never forget. Later, About a week later, the elders uh, came over and they anointed me with oil. And I remember Greg prophesying almost exactly those same words. In fact, he had a song there about holding, taking hold of his hand that he, he described as well. And I sensed this love welling up within me and a peace and a joy in the midst of pain and uncertainty. It was incredible. No matter what I was going through, I just had this feeling of God's got it all under control. It's amazing when you're in the midst of, I didn't know what the pain, what was causing it or anything. All I knew was God had it under control. If he said he was going to walk me through the process and to trust him, all I had to do was to be still and not fear so 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 chapter 4 verse 16 to 18 says this therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day For our light affliction, listen to that, light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Isn't it amazing? These verses became so alive to me during this time, that no matter what I was going through, he was my strength. It was like the outward man was certainly perishing, but the inward man was being renewed. There was life in here that I hadn't had before or for a long, long time. Anyway, um, my doctor was really concerned, and so he rang up the urologist, and he'd retired. So he had to get another one, and he he got this Zimbabwe uh, guy who was really, really amazing, and he didn't muck around. He got a camera into the bladder to have a look, And um, he discovered there was an ulcerated growth in in the bladder. And uh, he said, uh, as far as he was aware, it wasn't cancer. He didn't think it was, but he would need to do a biopsy to actually uh, make sure it wasn't. Um, I do remember saying to somebody that that they were going to do an autopsy. And suddenly (laughs) realized what I'd said. (laughs) Whoops, that's just a little bit too far. (laughs) So you've got to get your words right, eh? Hey? <laughs> but a biopsy. And it was interesting. We knew it was a growth. We knew it was ulcerated, and it was um, pretty bloody looking. If, if you saw the pictures of it, uh, um, I'd show you, but I'm sure some of you would run out. <laughs> it was looking pretty awful. But we came home, and uh, we were at such peace. It was like it didn't matter whether it was or wasn't cancer, and I just want to stay here now. It wasn't cancer, so don't go running off saying it was cancer. It wasn't. And the thing is that um, it was interesting the, uh, the way that others reacted over the weeks following when we told them. And there was a lot of fear in, in people's eyes. And yet in us, there was peace. We weren't worried or, or concerned or anything. We knew God had everything under control. Romans 5, verse 1 to 5, says this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces what? perseverance, and perseverance, character, character. and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We could even, you know, God's building our characters. No matter the situations that we go through, actually it's an opportunity for God to build us from the inside out. So um, this uh, new neurologist, he didn't muck around at all. Within a week, I was in hospital and I had my first operation. And he went to take a little bit of the a sample of um, the growth. And then, of course, what had happened was uh, it started coming away, so he actually ended up taking the whole thing out, he, so he thought he had. And it all seemed to go very, very well. And I was free of pain. And we were just thanking God and, and we thought it was all over. And We thought that was great. But stage two happened. About three or four weeks later, the pain came back and the blood uh, returned. And uh, it was very, very uncomfortable. And again, it was to a new level. The pain had increased. Again, I heard his voice. Can you trust me? It's a beautiful thing to know that God walks through us through every stage of life. He never leaves us nor forsakes us, that he is there. And again, I surrendered to his process. And the months that followed, I ended up being taken to hospital a number of times to try and get the pain under control without administering morphine. And I remember being in the back, uh, back over there uh, seats and um, I became, suddenly the pain hit and I was in agony. And um, some people gathered around me and helped me out there. And it was uh, really good that Dave Huntley was here. And those that remember Dave, he was a um, a chopper pilot with the paramedics with uh, the Westpac rescue helicopter. And um, he uh, called an ambulance. It was a shame about not calling the helicopter. That would have been been a neat ride. (laughs) But anyway, he called the ambulance. And to cut a long story short, we went to the hospital and... We actually ended up on the busiest day on record at Wellington uh, Accident and Emergency Place. The, the whole room out there was packed with people. But because you come in an ambulance, you get wheeled straight in. And not only that, there was one cubicle left and it was the only cubicle with a toilet. And that was a real blessing, I'll tell you. <laughs> when you're having to go all the time, that was uh, an amazing thing. And uh, they, they hooked me up with morphine and everything like that. And, and I just remember... Um, the curtains were closed and Sandra started playing a beautiful, quiet worship music. And um, you could hear all the, the, you know how they have the intercom going over and
1: uh,
0: code two and and cubicle so-and-so and and code three in the air and all this sort of thing and you could hear the rushing of feet and the things going backwards and forwards. And yet in the cubicle we were in, it was like we were in a different world. And there was worship and uh, it was like being lifted up into the heavens. It really was. It was the most beautiful experience and time with God. And uh, it was amazing. And I remember just worshiping and opening my eyes, and I saw Sandra crying, and I said to her, Are you okay? And she said, I've just, I've just seen angels around the bed worshiping God. It just felt that. I know some people would say, Oh, yes, you were drugged. <laughs> but the, the fact is, it was just such a real experience. And we came home from the hospital actually rejoicing. It was such a a weird experience, but it was just his overwhelming sense of peace and his love and his presence. Isaiah 43 says this, Indeed, before the day was, I am he. What an incredible statement. And God showed me that. It was like, you know, before the day begins, I am already in control. That's our God. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the process in between. Are we prepared to trust him for it? I was just so aware that God was carrying me through every day and my great need of him. He could just continue to pour out his love towards me. 1 Peter, verse 1. Sorry, uh, Peter. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3 to 7 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, listen to that, through faith and salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Aren't they amazing verses? That we will go through times. You see, when the times of shaking comes, the fire often comes. It's burning up all the stuff that's of us so that nothing but him is left. He is the gold. He is the treasure. He's the incorruptible inheritance. He is our everything. Not our own ways or strength. (coughs) Excuse me. God, you see, it is... Everything that we go through is an opportunity for him to be glorified. Now, I know sickness doesn't glorify him, but the opportunity of what he does in us, the building up of his character in us, his nature, his life, his strength, is just so powerful. In April 2016, I was operated on for a second time and the, um, the when they got the camera into the bladder uh, before the operation, they said that they they could see that it had grown back. the place where they 'd operated it was clear, but it all spread around everywhere else. but in the actual operation when he went in, it was so aggressive that it covered everything so the whole this time he removed the whole lining of the bladder, hoping that uh, the um, any good stuff from the very top would grow down into and form a new lining on the bladder. And uh, it, was, it was amazing because um, once again, after I came out of it, I was free of pain and there was no more blood. And we thought, wow, we've got to the end of it. It was fantastic. And Sandra's got a, a videotape of me walking the dog on Anzac Day over the bridge. I hadn't been able to walk very far at all. At this time, I had freedom in life. And it was really good. But then stage three happened. (laughs) Just like last time, the blood returned and the pain was even more intense. More than ever before. And again, I heard him say, Can you trust me? Can you trust me? And again I surrendered and I said, Lord, you got me through the last two times. I need you again even more than what I did before. And you can understand, um, sorry, Romans 8, I'll go to there first. Romans 8, verse 18 to 19. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. And that comes out through testing in the times of trials. You know, sometimes if we get our eyes on the actual thing that's happening, we lose sight of everything. It becomes overwhelming and too much to to bear. But when we get our eyes on him and he becomes our focus and our life source, everything changes because you begin to see a finish line that you've never seen before. You begin to see that what we're going through is nothing in comparison with what he's doing. And so you're able to walk through this knowing that there's a greater thing to come into. You can, you can understand now why Paul and Silas were sitting in the prison beaten, bruised, blood, swelling, in a place that stank, that was damp and dark and horrible. And yet they're singing and praising God because their focus in their whole life was not on their circumstances or what they were going through, but on him. They were rejoicing. So the months ahead were some of the most difficult I would face and yet some of the most amazing times I would ever go through. And I felt carried by him, but also carried by the prayers of the saints. And this is, you know, um, I, I know Greg and the elders got people to pray and to fast, and it was just incredible the number of people that really supported us. And so no matter how bad the situation got no matter how bad or difficult the pain became i felt his love was deeper still i could never got i could not get to the end of his love it was deep it was wide it was high it was overwhelming so no matter the situation i would go through no matter how everything decreased His love increased. That became a real scenario to me. That wasn't just talk. That wasn't just a theory. That was real. I never felt abandoned by him. He was always there giving me strength to endure and to trust him for each step. I literally couldn't get through the day without him. My need for him was great. And I remember having the most beautiful times of worship with him. Just lying on the bed, just having the the music and the songs singing and and praying. And just the intimacy and the the life that came, even though my body was deteriorating. I had a third operation in June, where they injected Botox into the lining, thinking, hoping. And sometimes it has worked, apparently. But for me, when I came out of the operation and I, I came round in the recovery room, I was in more pain than I was before it was, it was uh, pretty horrific, the, the pain. And so they were pumping all this um, uh, morphine into me and other drugs. But the beautiful thing and the thoughtfulness of the, um, the urologist at the time was he actually asked for the, uh, the, the um, specialist who does all the major operations on the bladder to come into the operation to have a look. And the reason he did that was because he knew more than likely this would have to, the bladder would have to be removed. And so he got the other guy in as a second opinion so that I wouldn't have to go through all the painful tests and that. And I, just, uh, I was just this little, you know, the thoughtfulness of some people. I was really blessed by the people that surrounded me and helped me here in the hospitals and everywhere. It was just amazing. And so they both confirmed that the, the bladder was beyond repair and it had to be removed. Again, could I trust him? I know it sounds repetitive, but when you're walking through it, his words to you come over and over and over again. I was entering a new phase, stage four. Travelling to work became a mission. I don't know if you base your life around going to toilet all the time. You work out where all the toilet stops are along the way. <laughs> it becomes like that, Literally. I remember we went on holiday. We somehow, I don't know how we even got there, but we got to Taupo and we had uh, about a week there. And then coming back, it took us two days from Taupo to get back to Wellington. And I I could have written a book on all the loos along the (laughs) (laughs) way. The pain was consistently staying at level two or three out of ten, and it was spiking. Uh, and and those spikes were just really... And that's with medication. I was on lots and lots of medication. Uh, Physically, my body was deteriorating to such an extent at one stage I was reliant on a wheelchair because walking became more and more difficult. It would spark the pain. I was losing weight at a rapid pace. I went from 85 kgs down to 67 and lost my appetite. Uh, And my blood pressure was sitting around the 180 mark consistently. But my body was wasting away, but spiritually I was soaring. It was incredible. But God hadn't finished with me. It was only part of the process. I saw the new bladder, uh, not the new bladder, but the new surgeon in July and August. And he wanted to operate. He wanted to remove it. But he said the only time he could do it was at the end of October. And this was the July, August. And that's, that felt like years, not months, yeah. literally. And that it also would cost between sixty-five and seventy-seven thousand dollars to have done. If I tried to do it in the public system, I'd be waiting for years. And because it wasn't cancer, I'd be just bumped down the list because cancer patients, of course, need the priority for that. So we faced some new challenges in this stage. How could we pay for it? Because we had an insurance policy that was uh, limited at 100K. I had three previous operations, and that took us up to about 40-odd thousand. So that would take us over. So I thought, well, how are we going to pay for this? My work situation was deteriorating. I was running out of leave. And they'd very, very kindly given me extra leave. But the situation, coming to work, often I couldn't get through the day. It was getting more and more difficult. My medication had increased. I was on higher doses of morphine and a myriad of other drugs. Um, And I had some of the worst pain that I've ever endured in my life. And we but... The good news was we had a an old insurance policy that was going to get us through. The, um, if if I didn't have to work, we were going to get through, and this insurance policy was going to be our thing that we were going to hold on to, okay. pay for the mortgage and so forth. But when I went to ring them, they said, oh, that was actually an old policy, and because it's not cancer, it doesn't work. We can't pay it out to you. And we thought, huh? It was another crutch God had just taken away. <laughs> Remember what he said to me? Do you trust me? So we were facing impossible wall of many different things. But again he said to me, be still, do not fear. Can you trust me? Will you allow me to take hold of your hand and lead you through the process? Isn't it interesting, eh? When you're still before him, the peace comes. So when we worry, when we try and work it all out, we're all over the show. Well, I, amazing, you know, as we surrendered it back to him, we saw miracle after miracle after miracle. First of all, I phoned Southern Cross, and I said, look, um, you know, I've had three operations already, and with this operation could be between sixty-five and 77,000. And they said, oh, look, don't worry about that. We've just changed it to unlimited. It only just happened. So that was, that was an answer to prayer. Then I had a, an, an incident at work uh, that um, I was feeling quite good that morning. And uh, I said to quite a number of people, actually, I'm feeling quite, quite good today. And then I went to stand up and I went towards the printer and the pains, you know, you've always got pain there, but it was just boom, Right up to about 9 out of 10. I couldn't move. I was in agony. And so um, they called an ambulance and uh, I was uh, taken to hospital. But it freaked the people out at work, which you can understand. Um, But then I had to realise, what was my main reason for being at work through that time? And when you you sit there and work it out, it's because my trust for provision was in my job, not in God. And here I was trying to work, I was hoping to work right up to the operation almost and get to that point. And very stubbornly I was going to work, think, I can get through this day, I can get through this day. And we were short-staffed and everything like that Worked so I, I was trying to think of them as well. But, you know, it was becoming more and more impossible. And... You see, one of our biggest fears was the fear of lack. And God was very gently saying to us, let it go. But God, how are we going to pay for the mortgage? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do we can't live. We're going to have to lose the house. We're going to have to sell this and sell that. God was saying, let it go. Somehow, our focus in that little part was shifting more onto what we were losing rather than what we were gaining. It's funny, you can be right in the midst of, of God's love and everything like that, but we can shift our eyes just like Peter in the storm, and when, well, in the boat, and Jesus calls out to him, Come. He stands on the water, everything's fine until he looks at the water and, ah, you know, you can go like that. But we we're looking at what we were losing rather than what we were gaining. We still were trying to do bits of it now in strength. And so we wrestled with it. Could we let it go? We trusted in God for other things, but could we trust Him for this? And then another three weeks later, um, I woke up one morning not feeling very well at all. I went to the toilet. Instead of urine, it was blood. And it was thick blood, and it was um, clots after clot after clot after clot. The pain was out of this world. It was the worst pain I've ever experienced, and so I, I was taken by ambulance to hospital. And uh, I remember um, drifting in and out of consciousness. And they, they, I remember a team of people working around me and things like that. And uh, um, and I remember thinking, "Am I going? You know, is was this it?" And I remember saying to Sandra, "Don't forget," so I said, "I'm a donor." And then she said to me, and she leaned over to me, and she said, "Dear, I don't think they want your bladder." <laughs> but it was, it was incredible, really, because we had to surrender everything to God, even in that worst time, and God got me through that day. I don't know how, <laughs> but it, it was, it was uh, one of the probably the, the most difficult day. I'd ever endured at that time. But uh, it came to us that I could no longer work. That was pretty obvious at that stage. In Proverbs 3 verse 5, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on, on your own understanding. So I had to do that. I had to not lean on our own understanding. So... I was granted six months leave from work without pay. We had to let, fu- let everything go and fully trust in him. Now we were totally in his hands. Actually, it was the greatest place we could have ever been. And my greatest regret is why didn't we do that earlier? <laughs> um, this was new territory for us. But our hearts were actually at peace. We were in rest and assurance that he had everything under control. You know, in that time, there was no panic. We didn't know where our income was going to come from, but there was no panic. We surrendered all to God, and we saw his incredible provision like we'd never seen before. Suddenly, funds started coming in. People heard of what we were going through and helped us out financially. Incredible. Sometimes it was in food vouchers others provided meals, others helped in the gardens and the lawns, and there were various groups from this church that came over and helped with the the garden and things like that. People visited. We were truly blessed and we witnessed God's love being poured out by so many people around, even around the country. You know, every single bill that we had was paid. Incredible. And we had enough left over to actually put new carpet into our place, which we've only just had put down. And it was something that we really wanted to get done because our carpet was the original from 1985 and it was so threadbare that we were trying to cover up the holes. When people started tripping over them, <laughs> we thought it's that time we, <laughs> we changed it. But that was God's provision because we could never have bought that ourselves. Not only that, we have um, a gas bottle outside, one of those tall gas uh, bottles. And uh, when we had the boys at home, it would last maybe three weeks, four if we were really lucky, you know, because of the long showers. <laughs> but when they'd left home, Sandra and I were able to stretch it out to about five or six weeks, which was okay. But uh, when we, um, uh, because we were so focused on everything that we were doing, Uh, with what was going on we didn't realise when it actually ran out but this one lasted 19 weeks 19 weeks and we didn't realise that until we went to order a new one that's incredible, his provision and that was just before I was about to go back to work isn't it amazing what God can do God not only dealt with the fear but he also gave us a different perspective on life All these things are not so precious to us anymore. It doesn't hold us. Even if we had to sell the house, it doesn't hold us the way it did. Because we've seen something and tasted something far greater than the things of this earth. So our whole life, and even the experience that we had with the closeness with him walking through us each day, the things around us are not, worth anything compared to him and so I pray that our focus never comes back onto those things our appetite for this world began to die and our longing to come into more of who he is in us began to rise finally I had the fourth operation and um, and at the end of October where they removed my bladder and they found out when they went in it was the size of a walnut it was so bloodied and uh, it was awful uh, the way they uh, and they had to remove. Uh, they also removed my prostate gland as well, and then it's amazing what they do. They took part of the upper bowel and they made it into a new bladder. So it's amazing what they can do. It really is, and it was a success. And now I am out of pain, and I'm off, off all the drugs. And it's just so good to be walking in such a new freedom. It's going to take another year or two for everything to settle down and to, for me to get to use, and to get the use of using the new muscles and everything like that. But it was just so good to be beyond that stage and to come into that full recovery. And yet, it was a two-year journey, and yet I've only tasted just a small portion of who he is and more of what he is doing. And it's just the most beautiful thing And I would like to acknowledge and give glory to God for what he has done and what he is doing in us, Sandra and I. And as I said, we've only tasted a small portion. He was closer than a brother, a very present help in trouble. He was a source of life and peace that we were able to draw upon daily and our food and our sustenance. And I I mean, the list could go on and on. And looking back over those two years, an internal shift took place. Beforehand, I was confused and uptight, striving in my own strength to come in what God, into what God was doing. But it was mainly external and I couldn't enter it. Just as the house built on the sand swept away, was swept away, so too were many of the foundations that I was standing on. It wasn't until God did it his way by shaking what I was standing on. And through that breaking process, when I came to where I came to the end of myself, I was able to enter into it. His internal process, that's what's called transformation. You know, we, when we come to the end of ourselves, that's when he does the work. Because it's not anything that we can do. It's difficult at the time, but it's the most beautiful thing that we can go into. this time I was able to let go and surrender. And the fruit of it was love. (coughs) Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, and self-control. It just flowed out. I didn't have to try and produce it. I didn't have to try and practice it. I didn't have to try and declare it. It was something that just flowed out. And when a genuine work of God is being done in us, When the other storms come, it's what flows out of us. That's important. Because we can try and practice it in our own strength, but when the storm comes, what's really in us will come out. So I really want to encourage you guys to let God be in control. And let him have his way. As I said, he gave me a different perspective on life. God's eternal plan. Um, He gave me a hunger more for him than anything else. And every situation is a situation for God. It's a God opportunity for him to outwork him in you. And if we all see that, if we all come to grasp that, that no matter what you're going through, that's a God opportunity. Even though it may not turn out the way that you thought, But it's what he's doing in you that's more important than anything else. Lastly, something happened at work that took me totally by surprise. And the thing is that we can be so consumed with our situation and our little world, if you like. But God is far bigger than that. And he sees far bigger. And I remember the the guy that uh, took my place for that six months, he said to me, I want to thank you for getting sick. And I thought, am I hearing him correctly? He said, I want to thank you for getting sick. He said, if you hadn't got sick, I would never have been reconciled to my daughter. And I thought, what? His marriage, he'd he'd been living in New Zealand and his marriage had broken up, and uh, he He went off to Melbourne, I think it was, and he worked and lived there for five years, but there was this tension between his family and him. And then suddenly somebody who uh, worked in Kiwi Bank said, hey, there's a job going for six months. Do you want to apply for it? And he thought, oh, should I, shouldn't I? Should I, shouldn't I? In the end, he decided he would try and have a go, and he got the job. And it was this opportunity, being back in Wellington where his family was, that he could spend time with his daughter and it could be reconciled. She's 11 years old. So it's amazing, isn't it? We only see what we're going through. But it's like a threads of a, a cross stitch. When you see the back of it, it's really, really messy. The threads are going here, there, and everywhere. But on the other side is a nice beautiful picture being shaped and formed that sometimes we don't even see. So isn't it amazing how God can do things when we're not even aware of it? And God is looking at your situations and understands and knows them. And we can walk victorious through them because of his strength in us. And I want to play a song to you, Psalm 46, which is the one that I read before by Shane and Shane. And uh, if we can just dim the lights for that. But I want to encourage everybody, and then afterwards I'll pray.
2: Spirit turns the walls to see Almighty One is right now you are on our side We walk by faith in God who burns the chariots with
0: Tremendous song of um, Psalm forty six, that even through the fiercest battle, He is with us. And I love that verse, words uh, that He says, "Come, wrestle me and win." So when we wrestle with God and we let go, it's amazing. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord God, for what you are doing in this place, and I thank you, Lord God, that uh, you are building a people that no matter the circumstances that we go through, that we can stand in you. We can be victorious because of what you are doing on the inside of us, regardless of what's happening on the outside. Father, I thank you. Lord God, for your love is toward us, to walk us through every situation. That you never abandon us nor leave us. That you are fully trustworthy. And I pray that... uh, even though we may go through totally different circumstances, we're all on the journey together. Yeah. And I pray that we'd be able to encourage each other yeah. and help each other along this road, yeah. that we may all walk together, yeah. helping each other in so many different ways. And just as I felt the love of God from the people, and from the family here, I pray that each one of us would feel that as well, sure. that not one person would feel abandoned or we all left alone. But, Father God, that there would be such a, a coming together and a oneness. Father, we just want to rejoice and thank you and bless you. Because, Lord, it's nothing that, that we have done, but it's all what you have done in us. Lord, continue that work. Thank you, Father. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.